Hi. Hello. Hello. How are you? I am well. How are you? I'm doing all right. You know, just hanging in there on this uh this Monday afternoon or mo or yeah, Monday happy, evening. Excuse me. Happy Monday. <laughs> yes. Yes. Happy Monday. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I can't hear you. And I realized that my volume was all the way down. <laughs> it's okay. Don't show your age on live. It's all right. Don't do that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's all love. Um, I'm wondering for the people who don't know, um, you, should I give it to him again? Sir. <laughs> should I give it to him again? We don't. Okay. Yeah. I think. You sure? No, I, I don't. I, listen, I am comfortable with whatever you'd like to do. Um, and so you can. I don't, huh? know, I don't know that it's absolutely necessary. Oh, yeah. So we're going to get this up and up the right way. Stoner. Michael Jordan. It's your favorite, right? My dad. Let's get this going because you got to start a lineup of accolades right now. So. Listen, she is the co-founder of Voices Inc. She is a board member of I Hold the Key Inc. She is a member of the Society of Human Resource Management. She is a member of the National Association of African Americans in Human Resources. She is a member of the American Ballet Theater Junior League. She is a member of the Opera Guild. She is a member of the Junior Achievement Association of New York. She is a member of the American Cancer Society. She has a bachelor's in criminal justice, monitoring and law. She has a master's of public administration. Concentration is in human resource management and management operations. And yes, she does have a first aid mental health certificate. My goodness. But not only that, she is a friend of mine. A friend of mine. Above all those accolades, those Jordan-like accolades, um, she is a better, better human being, uh, a better person, a better excuse me, a better woman. And I, um, I couldn't be more proud of who you are as a person. Um, I thank you for doing this with me again for two hours. Uh, the first time wasn't planned. Um, this time it was planned uh, for two hours because we thought um, it's necessary for the culture, uh, the community uh, from both of, of our fields. Um, you know, so I've just listed a whole bunch of accolades for you. Um, and uh, so you are the perfect person as an HR executive to have this conversation with. Um, and as for me, uh, you know, I have extensive uh, work in this field. Um, I have taught numerous workshop on, workshops on career readiness, job readiness training um, in colleges, in nonprofits. Um, I have been a manager where I've had to, to interview many people. Um, now, I've been on the agency side working for agencies where um, I'm in the boardrooms with uh, the hiring managers and hearing about what they say. Um, now I'm, I'm on the HR side, on the recruiting side. So um, I've interviewed probably thousands of people. Um, so between us, I think that we have a little bit of knowledge of, of what's going on and we have our ear to, to the streets of, of what's going on um, when it comes to career readiness, 
Um, but enough about little me. I just uh, named a gauntlet of um, of, of things that uh, you have accomplished, and I'm so very proud of you. So again, thank you for doing this with me, little old me. Appreciate you again. You're not, you're not little old me, and no, thank you for having me. <laughs> um, you don't sell yourself short. Um, but yeah, for purpose of this conversation, I think you know I had some moments to reflect. One, there are people asking the questions, and um, in addition to that, mm -hmm. I thought about a few things. So let me just put a disclaimer out there. <laughs> The opinions mm -hmm. and the things that I share are not necessarily associated to my current employer, which I will not share who that is. But um, <laughs> yes, in my extensive HR background, um, having done many things from the recruiting side to benefits, the wait, 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 hold on a second. You don't start it without me. This is a this is a sip and learn. No, I didn't Cheers. No, this is not the start. This is nah, the I saw you took a sip while I was doing the introduction. I was caught you no, slipping. No, but cheers. Yeah, cheers to you. Yeah, this is a sip and learn. Cheers. Bye. Cheers to, to, cheers to you. I hope I hope everybody got some in their hand. Cheers to everybody yeah. um, on this live. <laughs> thank you, thank you guys for uh, tu uh, tuning in. Thank you. Um, but yes, um, so yes, you. I want to get that out of the way. So yes, please continue, man. That's fine because I was gonna just throw that in every episode. <laughs> Yeah, so I know, you know, having sat through, so my most recent, I, I migrated into a new position during the, the pandemic and negotiated and got into Congratulations. Program. Thank you. Um, but prior to that, the last three or so years, I was at JP Morgan as a vice president, global business partner, um, supporting the enterprise um, across, this, across the world, chiefly responsible mm -hmm. for wealth management. And um, mm -hmm. having done that, really sat and worked extensively with recruiting, you know, really had a lot of questions of people saying, well, how do you get into a firm such as, you know, what mm -hmm. are you looking for and all these different questions. In addition to that, from the promotion perspective, like um, when I thought through and I kind of all my JP Morgan people um, to my heart into a little bit, just that um, in, in, our, in that space, the managing director role is the highest level you could achieve as far as the title. Right. And um, I had successfully coached, you know, executive coaching, um, many executive directors to become mm. managing directors. And my track record is I've, I've never lost, right? And so I thought, if I'm doing this so much there in that space, um, there's really great opportunity mm -hmm. to share it with people who are asking those questions, yeah. who are not sure, who are mm -hmm. unclear, um, and really giving that, right? I mean, I have my own HR consulting firm. Um, mm -hmm. started and so that's a different pay for you know for that information but really want to take the opportunity to answer those questions share some information I really hope it's interactive and you guys are really asking for what you want to hear even though we have some mm -hmm. here as well yeah yeah um you know and in my experience working in nonprofit and and hiring people and interviewing lots of people I was surprised at how many people just don't know the basics yeah. um, I was shocked, you know, I, and I think, um, you know, I was just like, wow, like we, we really need this, especially in our communities, you know, and I would be kind of disappointed when I would be going out and, and wanting to kind of give people in our communities, those opportunities and they would come in and it would just be a complete debacle. And I would be like, Oh man, you know, <laughs> like you don't even know, you know, and it's tough. And so <laughs> Moments. I've had a lot of moments. Lots where, of moments. You know, so many things where I'd see in a resume, and the resume is the first depiction that the organization has of you. And simple, yes. simple like typos and things of that nature that we'll see and have you. Mm -hmm. 
I have seen mm. all the, the uglies behind the curtain. I've, I've had it where I've heard, and I, I certainly speak up. I'm not quiet, as you may already tell. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there are managers who would have a thing, like they don't want to hire a person from the Bronx. Like, there, there are a lot of different right. things that happen. There are things set up against There's a lot. Just being mindful of what's a best practice. And mm -hmm. also not, not even, and we're going to go into it. I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. But when no, please. out there who is currently looking, one, the economy is such that there are a lot of decisions being made by companies that are not favorable to a lot of hiring right now. And two, even when it is favorable, even when, when it does speak to a lot of hires out there, I would get a lot of times to say, well, I'm not getting called by, like, what am I doing? And, and I will say this, I have done hiring requisitions where they ha I have more than a thousand applicants, right? Mm -hmm. Really going to be centered around the first 10 or so that I see. And of that, the first five or three that I find are, you know, that mm -hmm. makes sense, they're better aligned. And so they may have never even seen your resume. So don't take that so much as a judgment on self. And when you get mm -hmm. your foot in that door and you have that conversation, it's not always that you're not good enough. It's really never mm -hmm. that you're not good enough. It may be that you don't fit exactly what they're looking for for varying reasons. Um, sometimes mm -hmm. it's cultural fit. Sometimes it's, you know, I have a team that this way, so I need a person to fit in that culture. And while you're qualified on paper, you don't have that. The biggest thing that I mm -hmm. think we're experiencing in the HR and the human capital space now is maybe five mm -hmm. years ago, there was the understanding that we would have a very challenging time hiring people. While we have mm -hmm. multiple degrees, many people are lacking what we call EQ, the emotional intelligence, that quotient that's necessary. Tell me how you work, right? Are you a, yep. a results-driven person? How are you demonstrating that you're you know, going to go ahead and find the answer if you don't have it? Those pieces mm -hmm. are what we're looking for. Right, we'll talk about STAR and all those pieces so that people understand what that is um, when they go in an interview that's being used to really gauge where they're coming from. But more so than anything, you have big companies like Google, et cetera, who are no longer requiring degrees, like master's or right. bachelor's degrees. Um, right. Because we realize the importance of that emotional intelligence, that EQ piece that comes to the mm -hmm. table. Because the education and everything will get you there and get you in the conversation but if you're a person that people don't want to work with you really don't show that proactive initiative you're not going to get through so just just keep right that mindful that it's not it's not a you thing most of the time right and, and also just realizing that not every company um is uniformed in a one-stop shop in the way that you should approach your interview you know uh being in a room with um you know, executives from, from Tapestry, you know, and Tapestry, you know, they're, that, that's coach Stuart Weitzman, right? And, um, you know, they're a fashion company, right? So, you know, when I would be in the room with them talking about what they want, they're looking for a particular, like, the biggest thing for them was culture fit. Culture for fit. them specifically. They're going to talk about culture fit. Because, yeah, and they're a fashion company, right? So, you know, what a lot of people don't, like, uh, what a lot of people do is they come from a finance background. Right and boom, suit tie, boom, and they and they walk into tapestry, and off the bat, tapestry looks at you, suit and tie, and says, "Oh, banker, he's out, yeah. done." You know, qualified to the to the upkeep, right? Yeah. But it's really about you know how like how do you fit in, you know, with the team? You know what I'm saying? Because if you walk in every day in a suit, and then you got other guys in in just button down shirts you know, polos, you know what I'm saying? You know, stylish, because it's you, like you have to know like who you are interviewing with, 
You know what I'm saying? If you're going into BOA, JP Morgan, you're suiting up. Merrill Lynch, you're suiting up 100%. If you're going into Kate Spade, Stuart Weitzman, even if it's the same finance role, please look up the culture. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Look up the culture um, because it's not just a one-size-fits-all thing. You know, and some and a lot of people make that mistake of doing that. And just by appearance, it's like, oh, we're good. You know what, Terrence? Like he was, he was great on paper, but he's just not a culture fit. Yeah, so let's, let's and it's just like, like, right? For me, as, mm -hmm. as we jump into interview. So, question I get asked more than anything, more often than not, really, is resume, right? And yeah. There's not a one-size-fits-all. There's not a one perfect way right. to do a resume. There's different styles. There's things with pictures. There's videos. There's so many different options. Um, mm -hmm. I would just really offer one. There, this misnomer that the resume has to be one page. That is a lie. Um, the last mm -hmm. time I resume, I have a CV. But the last time that was one page was probably high school, quite frankly. Right? Um, so it mm -hmm. doesn't have to be one page. So let's get that out of the first and foremost. To remember, mm -hmm. you're branding you. You are selling mm -hmm. you. And I, I like to offer that when you come in and you think your resume is presenting, really think about what is the problem that I solve? What mm -hmm. is it about me that, that's unique and different? You know, I tell people mm -hmm. all the time, do a brain dump. Throw all your skills and abilities on paper. Even if you think it doesn't resonate, if you think it's not really important, it's just really important to mm -hmm. get it out of your head. Stop worrying so much about right. how write it and how to make it make sense. You'll do that after, but do a brain dump. Take the time, invest in yourself and really just mm -hmm. throw out all the things you've done, things that are not necessarily right. aligned to work, right? Things that maybe mm -hmm. align to your personal life. How do you show up for people in your life, right? Are you an advisor? Um, are you often sharing information with your friends and want to do better? All these things are skills that you may not be speaking appropriately to yourself that could really be helpful in your next position. So when you're approaching a resume, really sit and take the opportunity to do a brain dump of all the skills, mm -hmm. abilities, experience that you have, whether you were paid for it or not, and then compile that information to really make it sound. But know that um, it should speak well of you, right? And it really should think about it. This is the only thing that these people get to know about me. What are those things that I want to make sure they know? Right. And and from and from a re, from a recruiting standpoint or from an agency standpoint, depending on how you're, you know, like how you're approaching you know, applying for different jobs. And if you're working with a recruiter, a lot of times they're the ones who tell you about the one pages because they know their clients. So what I would also suggest is having more than one resume. You know, one that, you know, one that you use that when you're applying to the direct companies, you know, online. And then one, if you're working with somebody, heed their advice because they're the ones that's working with their client and they know what they want. So if they tell you don't exceed the one page, don't exceed the one page because they know what their clients are looking for. And that's who is going to get you in the door. You know what I'm saying? So have at least two resumes. You know what I'm saying? So that's all. That's something else that I just want to say. Cause sometimes, you know, I, in my experience, like when I've spoken to candidates and, and they go, Oh, well, you know, I can have two pages. And I'm like, Hey, the hiring manager that's sitting right next to me is telling me he does not want, he doesn't want to read all that. He's looking for something specific. You know question. what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah. I have a question for you on that. So, I work. Mm -hmm. I've worked in hired, hired or signed contracts for um, agencies, right? In, in my mm -hmm. times, and um, often when I when that happens, I'm very clear to the agency about what I want. 
first and foremost, when I go to the agency, I want three people and they better be great. They better be the people yep. that I'm hire. And I like to get a synopsis of the person. I want a professional summary. I would barely ever really look at the resume because I'm looking at the professional summary to ensure that you gave me what right. I said. Um, right. So in that experience, what I've also found is often, even for myself, I have an executive recruiter who works with me and finds me positions if I'm looking. Um, mm -hmm. They take the resume, well, for me it's a CV, and change it. Like they take my information off so that that conversation is happening with them. Do you find that to be true as well? Because I know sometimes people have said to me they get alarmed by getting that resume. A hundred percent. Change. Yeah. Just wanted to miss. Yeah. Um, well, they don't. You know, you're not supposed to like. You know, outright just change it, right? Um, but when it comes to, I, yeah. But but when it comes to the whole um, name off, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. We're we're supposed to take the uh, the name off, but you know, just because yeah. you know we don't want anybody else. You know, you know, just for certain reasons like that. Um, yes, Lisa, but for me. Never be one page. Usually. Um, so I think that um, for if you're working with the recruiter, just understand that they have their ears. Recruiter. Yeah. 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 Like they have the ears to that because it might, because people are like, no, that's not supposed to. And I'm like, guys, I'm trying to help you here. Right. Um, so just keep that in mind and have more than one resume. Mm -hmm. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? So I just want to just put that out there. Too. Yeah, and I would say things like like I have I, I do have one resume, right? And and my career path has been very deliberate and very intentional. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I speak very well to exactly what it needs to. And so it's a CV. My my mm -hmm. CV is probably three pages or four, and that's been doesn't just surprise fine. me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so the intro I gave you that was one page alone. But um, <laughs> but what what I would suggest is things like people you don't you no longer have to put your address your mailing address. We like to have it when we actually go for the hire, so we have that information entering systems. However, like I said, right. I have seen discriminatory practices that cannot necessarily be proven. Yes. Um, yes. Where, you know, I've heard of hiring managers saying to my recruiters, things, not my personal recruiters, but recruiters at the office, that they don't want a person from this particular demographic. These things do happen. So for all those reasons, I really employ people. One, if use an email address that's specific to your resume so you can keep track of that. Please don't have it be mm -hmm. shaking my booty 10 or anything derogatory or to that point, right? Keep it simple. I've got stories about that. I've seen a lot of things. Use an email. Create an email just for that purpose, if that's the case, if that's what you want to do. And also, you know, you mm -hmm. don't have to put in your – putting a phone number where you can be reached and your email. You don't have to put in your, your information as far as your, your home address or what have you. That's sufficient enough to be in contact with you and to get what they need. Because um, again, that discriminatory right. practices, while they may not be um, often or maybe always, perhaps they do happen. And so, just the side of caution, I wouldn't do that. So, I want to get to that in one second. But there is a question, um, Delish Kading, what's up, Michelle? She said, "What are your thoughts on catering your resume to the job postings, which a lot of people do?" I, I say no, because I think a lot of people do it inappropriately. Mm -hmm. It's very easy for me to tell as a hiring manager um, mm -hmm. and also just sitting in HR and when in recruiting, when a person is tailoring something so very specific that they're just telling what they want to hear. And I don't want to waste my time and get them to want to have you come in when I know you're just going to regurgitate information. And I, I know very well how to get what I need, right? So I would say be mindful. Like when you're thinking about a position that you'd like to take on, 
um, do some research. It's not that hard. Look at a few roles that are very similar. Look at some of the things that they're asking for as essential functions and job duties, and then scale your resume to speak appropriately to that. Um, I wouldn't mm -hmm. base it necessarily on one particular role, but I would say if you're thinking about, let's say, customer service reps, right? You're looking for a role that's within that that space. Um, take some time and just really set up your resume to speak intelligibly to some of the things that you see more often. If you're seeing five jobs and they're all asking for something similarly, then you speak to that in yourself to ensure that that pops out. We do keyword searches. We look for that often. If not oh, often. yeah. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't necessarily tailor it to one thing because then you know what also? You'll have a hard time remembering. Like, wait, what did I put on that one? What did I have on this one? How did I say that? So you don't want to get caught out there. I've had that experience where people come in and it's like, you call them, and I've or I had a coordinator call them for the phone interview, and they're like, "Wait, what company like, is this? Wait, who? Like, how? And, and yep. right after that, that's like, okay, we're done. No go. You know, mm -hmm. I would say if you're looking for a particular role, like terms of sharing, if you have two resumes, thinking about how you're tailoring it, there are people who are saying, you know what, I I'm looking for two different kind of roles. Maybe I'm doing something that's more admin and something that has a different skill. So do that, but really think about the roles, right? And and do something that can be uniform used, but not something specific so much to one job. Like that's where you don't want to get hooked. Mm -hmm. But the skills and, and, right. and, and um, the essential functions are generally pretty similar. Um, so you could do mm -hmm. that. I think uh, what's true Diddy, Mark said, uh, people using their work e email, <laughs> what did you just say? People using their work email to find new opportunities. <laughs> oh God. Um, I mean, listen, I've, I've, I've had it all. Like I've had, all, I've had, so many different things, so many different experiences. You wouldn't even believe if I told you the kind of stuff that came through my desk. Um, so that doesn't surprise me either. Uh, um, but but let's but let's talk about that that discrimination because that's huge. And working in in, in, in agencies, I have yes. various different clients, right? So I have the opportunity to speak with various different hiring managers, right? Various. It's it's amazing, right? So it's not just one company that I'm just hiring for at the time, right? So there's so much. And I know you said, like, you know, it's not, it may not be often. It's a lot more than you think. No, I, it I said is, it's not always. Maybe often. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, no, it's not always. But man, oh, man, the discrimination is absolutely real. It and it's, it's gender discrimination that's for sure i've had i've had that a lot Random um names that they don't and it's not even supposed to happen it's not even supposed to happen like even like if you're working for an agency or whatever the case is the client's telling you say hey make sure you send me a guy or make sure you send me only women that's not the way it, of course it's not no, supposed to happen that way there's a little wiggle room here and i'll say that it's, just from no there is there is legally it somebody. depends on it depends on the company the point right so as a company and, I, and we did this where I required in my last role, um, it was a requirement for me at JP Morgan, right? That all my managers, and, and we adopted that across our technology, especially that we had a diverse slate. For every mm -hmm. single position that there was, I wanted to see a diverse slate, which meant my diversity in that space was black, Hispanic, and female. For every job, mm -hmm. I wanted to see candidates, at least one or two, two or more candidates that fit, that have that mm -hmm. diversity. So there is opportunity to sit here and ask specifically for certain things to say, I'm not saying don't give me qualified candidates. I'm saying in the group of candidates that you're providing me, I would like to see a diversity and that includes this group of people. So make the express right. just that. But then there's the thing of, I really would like a guy, right? And that's where it's like, okay, hold on a second. 
and often that you yes the agency side i definitely wouldn't hear that but what i'm saying is even from my end just really working because in my role even now i approve every offer that goes at a particular mm -hmm. level um mm -hmm. and i am the person who pushed back right i'll get i'll get mm -hmm. a resume and it's an offer for a person a male i this is a mm -hmm. real example i got an offer for a person and um it was a male and we we're offering that person i think 95k right for the year a week later a week later i got the same similar role same role different manager same same recruiter mm -hmm. and it was mm -hmm. an email and sent me the request um to make this offer at 90 and i said um that's going to be a no why mm -hmm. right why would we do that so that that does come up in different ways but i i do think mm -hmm. that there's opportunity where it's helpful and just how it's in, how it's gauged and and i don't right. know what do you mm -hmm. do when you have a client who is saying i'd really like a male like what do you, what do you do well, with that as a recruiter well for us it's 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 against company policy right for like like for us it, it that would be against company policy because it's our job to find you the best viable candidate and, and if I, you're now if you come to us and, and and if you explain to us and say hey listen these are the reasons why we might want this particular candidate then you know, fine. But if you just come to us and say, oh, we want only women. Like, and we look at the job description, right? So we're looking at, at the job and seeing, okay, like, what's the difference? So like, if you're, if you're an accountant or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And I have, and, and I have two viable, incredible women candidates. Yeah. Incredible. Right? The resume is impeccable. And you go, no, send me some guys. Yeah, that's a like, 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 because now you're forcing us into a position to where now we have to now discriminate and we have, and it's like, that's not what we, that's not what we can do. Asking, right. Because mm -hmm. it's high pressure. I mean, I, signing some of these contacts, some of these recruiting firms, it's hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars that go by just in hiring, in hiring, yeah. contracting with these recruiting firms. And so for yeah. me, if I can say to you, my preference, I know I can say I prefer, mm -hmm. and what I'm saying, I have, right. I held it again, right, to say that for every role that I'm asking you to build for me, I need diverse candidates. I need to reach a right. and that means two or more. Um, I know mm -hmm. I can say that, but there's still not the piece of don't send me X or I only want Y. It's more so that I right. prefer this to get to the right space. So there's a fine little line. Um, there is. Sometimes it's not communicated, one, right? It's just kind of, it just happens. And so mm -hmm. how do you... I guess, how do you prepare for that with a candidate? Because there's not much a candidate can do. We have to change that culture in the organization. And for mm -hmm. an agency where you're working for a company, I don't know if you've seen this in agencies you've worked for, have they then, mm -hmm. you know, you know, stopped the contract with, with particular folks? Or, like, what is the standard? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, there have been times where we've had to, to terminate contracts with certain employers. Yeah. Because their because their practice wasn't their practice their hiring practices were weren't aligned with what we were about, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And we tried. And the one thing about the different agencies that I've worked for is we try, we always try to give you the best the best possible candidates that we can find, yeah. and work with you towards your preference. Mm -hmm. But if it's a thing of like you won't even just in, entertain, you know, you know, one gender or another, and you have a certain. It, then that's where things get very dicey for us that's because it's our rep yeah and that's and and that's something that we can't you know that we couldn't afford and right. truthfully it just it, it just wasn't right you know so so i would always have to go back to the hiring manager 
and push back on the hiring manager and say, hey, listen, we are, we, we are going to do our best to, to get you what you prefer, right. but we are also going to send you the best. the best candidate that we have as well. And you can make your decisions from there, but you're not going to put us in the box to where we're, like, we're going to be in all types of legal situations that, that, that we don't want no parts of, you know what I'm saying? And, but that's a real thing. And a lot of times, like when employers are working with agencies, they figure that they can do that to, to, to the agency because they don't have to do that. Like they don't have to do that. You know what I'm saying? So it, Sorry, recruiters having statistical quotas that is true that is, is absolutely true in enterprises that that that, that that's my, my my brother shout shout out to, to my brother um um that's very and, true. and that's and that's and that's true too that works we my recruiters have that there are particular metrics there's things like time to fill a position that they have there's the amount 100 percent correct the number of days it takes to fill a rec so they are sitting behind that story. yeah you know well, we are as as companies now, and you you continue to see that more now, especially that's been the case for some time now, and it's probably spreading to more and more companies where diversity is the conversation. It's been the conversation. Mm -hmm. Diversity inclusion has become diversity inclusion. Some people have belonging. Some people have equity. And I I just literally did a workshop on that. Um, as far as like what mm -hmm. does that mean? What's diversity inclusion, um, equity, belonging, as well as how do you use that in your hiring? And that's kind of central to what I was sharing as far as saying, you know what, we want a slate. I had a, a leader who said, I want to achieve 100% diverse slate. And that's damn near improbable. It's, it's damn near improbable. Impossible. Because not every person identifies. And you can't force them to identify um, to say that they're diverse or they're not diverse. And diversity being ethnic, ethnic diversity as, and as well as gender. So that's changed a lot. So there are a lot of quotas. But I have a question for you. Um, Terrence is speaking to when you think about job search and job tools and I know that you've done extensive work in that space and I will share as well but right. what do you find are the best methods opportunities avenues for persons who are in search for for work well what I find is LinkedIn is a very very powerful tool um, LinkedIn for me is, is is one of the top tools that I use um, and a lot of people have LinkedIn but they have LinkedIn and it's just sitting there, right? They don't use it the right, the right way. LinkedIn is one of the most powerful tools that you can actually reach out to somebody like you in, in HR and somebody like me, a lot. right? Right. And, and say, Hey, um, my, my name is, uh, Brian. And, and you know what? I just want to send you my resume and this, that, and the third. And when I do workshops and I'm like, who has a LinkedIn? Half the room will be like, Oh, I do. And I said, perfect. Well, how many of you use LinkedIn? Like, use it for networking and applying for jobs. How many of you use it? And then the hands go from 50% to, to, to like 15%. And, I, and I'm just like, and I'm like, guys, like, you guys are, are dropping the ball. I've literally, on a, on a personal note, have gotten hired from LinkedIn just by doing that myself. Let me, let me, let me, just by me doing that. Let me just give a, a testimonial. Right, a little bit about LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, there are particular times I was deliberate in my effort to stay off of Instagram. I don't have Facebook and Twitter, but stay off of those and focus on LinkedIn. Like it was intentional. Like I'm going to focus my energy on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Powerful. Often, and I'm on, I'm on there. Often. Me too. 
people, I get the question a lot, like, how did you get the job at J.P. Morgan? Let me tell you what happened, yeah? Mm -hmm. I randomly, um, I mean, I was in the search, I was looking, but uh, not super active, but looking. And I saw this posting for this role at J.P. Morgan on LinkedIn. And I applied for it late night, woke up the next day, wasn't even really thinking about it because I applied for a couple of different roles. Got the recruiter call me and got the interview, second interview, got the job. Some people ask, like, well, how do you get into a, couple, a big company as such and et cetera? LinkedIn was it, right? Some of my best connections and networks, really staying close to the people on there. They know a lot of people, there are a lot of groups on there. You don't, you don't have to do a lot on LinkedIn to have it useful to you. You don't have to be on it every mm -hmm. day, um, but staying engaged, liking a few things, being in touch with people on there. Former people I reported to from like way back in like when I started my career in HR at, at HSBC, still connected, still checking every ever so often. And that's your network. Tim Gray, I think, is the one who introduced me to the saying that um, your network equals your net worth. Your net worth, yeah. So spending your network and choosing intentionally to align yourself. Mm -hmm who may one day be able to speak to an opportunity for you. Um, even there, it was uh -huh. like people that I met. So I started my consulting firm. I haven't even branded it out or shared a lot of it. But the few people who knew have reached out to me. So I was busy doing diversity workshops during this space. Mm. So if I could share anything to people who might be listening, it's to rededicate and repurpose, reclaim some of your time uh -huh. from tools such as this, um, such as Instagram that's more social. And spend some time um, with that on LinkedIn. Give some attention to Man. that. Throw a picture up. Throw some information, a little detail about yourself. I have recruiters reaching out to me all the time. And, and my status says I'm not open to opportunities and still. Right. Yes. I, mm -hmm. I always said I wanted it to be where I positioned myself where people were calling me rather than me calling them. LinkedIn is an exactly. opportunity to do that. It's right at your fingertips. I would say take some time and opportunity to, to look into using that more thoughtfully. Yes. Yes. Um, it's such a powerful tool and it's one of the most underutilized social media platforms um, that I know. Um, so that that's one. And, and I want to touch on a, another thing, and that's job applications. You know, if, if you don't have a job, if you don't have a job right now or at any point you, you, you don't have a job and you're looking for employment, Please don't apply to two jobs a week and expect an interview. I'm so passionate about this because it makes me so mad. P people be applying for jobs like two jobs a week and expect to get 10 interviews. I'm trying to tell you, when I was, when I was looking for a job, that was my job. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Even when I had a job and looking for a job, that was my second job. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about I'm on the grind, the diversifying my portfolio, and I'm applying to all, because there's a lot, there's a lot of jobs out there that 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 you might can do, and that and, and that you might be great at, you know what I'm saying, and that and that fits your your qualifications, and many, and and each site might have different jobs. So if you know me on LinkedIn, then you don't know me on on Indeed. Oh no, see, people knew me on every site, <laughs> on every job site. Terrence was there. My resume was there. Hi, my name is, and I and I was getting like. 10 to 15 interviews a month. And people were like, well, how did you do that? You know how? It's because I was applying to like 40 jobs a week. Yes. 40 yes. jobs a week to, on, to only get 10 jobs. To on, yes. 40 jobs a week only to get 10 to 15 interviews a, a month. So I was at like 120 applications per month. 
and I only got about 10 to 15 interviews. I will say this, because mm-hmm. I have to be critical of the recruiting field, and I, and I am. I'm critical of my recruiters. I, I share this feedback all the time. If what mm-hmm. else, I was applying for this job, and thankfully, because I have executive recruiters, I generally don't have to jump right into filling the application, because I find it oftentimes redundant. Typically, it's like, okay, send your resume or attach your resume, and then they ask you all the questions from your resume. It's like, really? Um, so I think yeah. better by way of that. But yes, searching for a job or role is is a job in of itself. It's, it's an effort. Mm-hmm. It's something that you have to actually take the time out to truly do. And again, if you're mm-hmm. looking for yourself, then it ought to be important for you. I think absolutely what you shared and um, ensuring that you're not just in one platform or one space I always say mm-hmm. I a book. Mm-hmm. Whenever I start a search, do a book just to keep tabs on what companies I apply to and what roles mm-hmm. I apply for. Um, there mm-hmm. is a little bit of a negative connotation. I will not lie to you. When we're sitting back there and seeing a person who has applied to 15 different jobs in our company, and they're very different. On the same company, no. Yeah, yeah that's different. Yeah, you don't do the same company. Yeah. I do not. We use it does. And some of the things, the platforms we use, like Taleo, et cetera, you have it where a mm-hmm. person has applied for 10 or 15 different jobs and, and different yep. numbers like, wait, so you don't know what you really want to do. You just want to work here. Right. So mm-hmm. being mindful of, of that too, like don't just go about and just, you know, spreading yourself thin, but you know, go on different, different sites. Don't just think, not just LinkedIn, not just, you know, indeed and monster, but get out there. Cause not everybody uses the same platform either. Right. Right. And, and, site and also. Mm-hmm. Yep, and and also, um, it 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 depends on where you're at in your career. You know, I think some you know for somebody like you who's senior, somebody like me, I may not have to do like forty applications. But if you're young and, and you're getting out there, then grind. You know what I'm saying? Like, truthfully, really grind. Um, it's not gonna come to you like that. Some people just waiting on a miracle. It's gonna come to you. Oh, the job is gonna land in your lap. Nah, you gotta put in the work. Like, you have to put in the work. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I'll say that. Uh, Lisa said, do you both look up candidates on social media before interviews? Does that sway your opinion? Um, so, not, I mean, for me, not like social media, like, um, you know, like Instagram or Facebook or anything like that. I mean, that personally, that's not my thing. But what I do is look up on LinkedIn to see if you're on LinkedIn. And depending on what job I'm recruiting for, if you're not on LinkedIn, that could be a that's almost that could could be a deal breaker. And some of the the hiring managers too, they're like, well, they don't have a LinkedIn. I don't know. Like so, it just it depends. But I'm not on your you know for me, I'm not on your Instagram or Facebook now. Now does a hiring manager do that? Some of them do do that. So, the hiring manager because they you know they they want to see because they're the ones that's going to be managing you. So they might want to see how you're doing. So I, so it happens. Every every major company, most major companies are, are Fortune five hundreds especially, have a social yep. media policy, right? Most every mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I would often when I was JP Morgan do um, information sessions for our our incoming uh, investment bankers, right, and share with them that we have this and give them yeah. scenarios. So do I? No, but do we? Yes, we absolutely do. For very good reason, I have been behind terminations for people who have done things on social media. The fact right. that you see this happen often where people are on Twitter or whatever they're on and they do something and people find out they work for X company and then that's the company. 
Mm -hmm. um, for branding purposes, the company protects itself and is very mindful. Things that we share is that, you know, so long as you're not aligned or you might see my Twitter has a header, like my opinions, my thoughts, my tweets have no association to my employer to not to not have that. But um, mm -hmm. sitting in, in the seat that I am in, I do get emails every other so often from my compliance department who share with me people who have, you know, gotten they've got complaints about a person who their Facebook says that they work for our company or something along the lines of that. So before hiring, mm -hmm. often enough, there are hiring managers who will take a look at that. There are particular recruiters in-house who do sometimes take a look at that. Um, it's for some reason mm -hmm. why I have my media set up as I do in certain spaces. So I'd be mindful of that, about what it says. Um, but it's not far and wide, and it's, it's often reasonable, right? It's often reasonable. Mm -hmm. it's, it's depending on things like, are you speaking hate speech? It's not necessarily judging you on the beach or something to that end, um, but it's really speaking mm -hmm. to your personhood. So more and more companies are tending to do that, especially small companies who are not hiring a lot of people, but a few people are mindful of that. So, um, you know, I, I keep my this, this Instagram, this is private. Uh, for very good reason, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and things of that nature. So I be on the side of just being mindful of that, of things that are just open for everyone. This is not right. Everybody does it, but companies do do it, and they will remind you that there is a social media policy that you will sign to to continue your employment. So be mindful of that. Right, right. You know, and I think for us, well, for for me, I think when it comes to social media, it may be monitored more so once you're hired. Um, on the way in, it's, it's kind of like you, like checking out your, your LinkedIn profile. Like, like we don't just, you know, just start looking at your Instagram or Facebook, like, on the hire. But, you know, that's... Exactly. We don't monitor. It's just too much work to monitor everybody's social media. What happens is if a person... Yeah, it's wild. We will have people... I, I got, I've gotten a couple. We've had people who yeah. they, they find that you're an employee of our company, and they will write to us and say, this is your person, and this is what they said. And then we have to go look yes. into, does this person still work here? What did they say? Remind them of the policy. And depending on what it is, right, it could be a terminable mm -hmm. offense. So um, it's used in yep. that. It's not necessarily just that, the, you know, we're watching every single thing. It's not, not quite that. Mm -hmm. but yeah. So we got about 13 minutes left on this part one, um, on this hour. So I kind of just wanted to get into, for you, Sona, yes. negotiating salary. Um, I find that... Uh, a lot of times um, in our community, we don't ask for what we want. And I feel like we don't ask for what we want. It's just because a, a lot of times we might feel like, oh, like if you ask, then you might not get hired or they might consider somebody else. You know what I'm saying? I feel like we kind of sell ourselves short before we even get to the door. And so we just settle for what they give us, right? Mm -hmm. So I really wanted you to speak on that as far as negotiating salary um, and best practices behind that yeah so negotiating salary a couple of things that i'll speak to that i think are best practices and i pride myself on just that piece oh yes mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's it's not even just knowing what you want because i want a lot um but mm. understanding the value of the role that you're seeking first right you have to understand mm -hmm. yes um so there's opportunity to do good enough recon Research mm -hmm. and don't just come in with I saw on salary.com. No one in HR is <laughs> using salary.com. That is information that right. people and there's no level of understanding the integrity behind that information. The Department of Labor right. Statistics, um, federal government has a site that has that information, and even that you know you have to gauge because 
every title is different than the actual responsibility. So you have to think about mm -hmm. that. When you think, when you look at different roles and just information out there, um, and if you're looking for a particular role, you look at different roles, see what they're paying, different ranges. You might find a couple different things and gauge that. Gauge that to see where that is. Mm -hmm. Always, mm -hmm. always, I say, when you walk in into, before you even start interviewing, get clear about what you what you want, what you deserve, what you require as a value. Mm. I usually have, I could live with this number, right? Um, I would like this number, but I really love this number. And believe me, recruiters asking what I'm looking for, they get the love. This is what I love. And that's what I'm coming in with. Mm -hmm. The higher end of what is assumed for that particular position, right? So if it's a right. role that's paid between I don't know, fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars. I'm I'm going with seventy-five, right? Let right. you me down because by the time we get to the conversation about pay, about salary, you've had a pretty good sense that you want to hire me. It's either it's just me right. think about or me and one other person. So don't let that be a deterrent to go in and lowball yourself because then you're going to be pissed at yourself. Mm. Generally, it's externally to them, but you're going to be upset that you're not getting what you think you deserve or what you want. So going very mm -hmm. clear. You know the work that you do. You know how well you do it. They don't necessarily know that. But you know that this particular role really calls for pay around this space. So have those have those numbers. Have those three numbers. You're always going to get asked that. Um, in places like New York and many other municipalities and states have this, it's against the law to use a person's current pay to determine their future pay. Recruiters right. cannot ask you how much you make today and use that to determine your pay. That is against the law mm -hmm. in many places. New York is definitely one, it is. Of, them one of them. Right, so don't be 100%. afraid of that. They already have, we, we've been pushed because of these laws, um, which I think mm -hmm. is great, to make a determination for the value of that seat. What is the value for this role being performed here? We already have that. So in essence, you could lowball yourself probably to the lowest number, but you cannot get yourself outside of the range because we have to pay you along the range of what that is. So really think about, your years of experience, right, that you're coming in with, mm -hmm. the value of what this job generally pays from all that you've seen and all that you understand the research to be, and what is your, I can live with this number in case they come in that low, what is your, I like this, this is, this is really good, I like that, but I would really love if they, they give me exactly what I want. And I would say always go in here, set that expectation, and say negotiable, because generally you don't want mm -hmm. to stuff in the foot. So I usually go in with right. love to have, you know, but there's so many more elements that are important for me to get the right space and with the right role with the right responsibilities. And so, of course, that's negotiable. That's right. Mm -hmm. I love number. It's negotiable. Let's dance. And you don't know how many sometimes being like a recruiter sometimes like, you know, being being in those rooms of how much, you know, the company is looking to spend. <laughs> and sometimes they're looking to spend a good amount. And then when you're nego and then when you're asking the candidate just what they're just what they want, and it's like, man, they shoot themselves in the foot so what bad. Do you do in that space. What do you do as a recruiter hmm? when you have a, a candidate who you know is lowballing themselves? Because I work obviously I work with um, executive recruiters for myself personally, and mm -hmm. uh, I'm very clear about here's where I am, here's what I'm looking for. Um, and really always trying to level set. And usually they'll say, oh, this role doesn't pay as much, so maybe not, or what have you. But what do you do? Are you speaking to the candidate and saying, actually, this role generally pays this? Is that what you're doing in that well, process? Well, well, see, first, you know, when we have the initial conversation, 
I get all that information before. Mm-hmm. I, I get to know like just what they're looking for and things like that. And when they lowball themselves so much, some sometimes, you know, I have a further conversation with them and sometimes they, they opened up to me a lot just about sometimes it could be out of desperation. They yeah. just want a position they want a job and they it. know or they think that if they lowball themselves that they'll kind of undercut the competition. You know, and, and that's and that's not true. That's a fallacy. Because because the the client will come back and say, Oh yeah, no, so so he's more of a junior level person. Yeah, like we're not looking for that. Yeah. And it's just and it's just like, oh man, you know what I mean? Like and sometimes I try to like help help people and say, Hey, you know, they might go a little bit higher. Like, what do you think your worth is? And I and I try to say, Hey, so what do you think your worth really is? Like you have this great resume. Why is it that you think that your job that that you require just twenty five dollars an hour? Like what? I, like what is it? That's the thing, right? So many jobs. The reason why we have the law in place is so many companies were lowballing people simply based on well, that's what they asked for. So now you're put in a position where you can't just that's what they ask for any person, right? Yeah, what you ask, right? Right. But um, mm-hmm. for a person coming in, I think it's important to one be confident. I I go into every interview. And for me, it's why do I want to work for you? Why do mm-hmm. I want to work here? Like I, I need, I'm mm. gonna share with you why you should have me. But I walk away absolutely needing you to understand that I have a choice. We all have choices, and I need to understand. Even if I don't have a job, I'm looking or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. Why do I want to work for you? And to be quite honest, if you're looking for work to be performed at a particular level, right? Say you're looking for work to be performed at a, I don't know, Mercedes level. You're not gonna sit here and want to get a Honda if you're selling yourself mm-hmm. like your Honda. I'm cheap. I could I could just do this. So really understand the value that you add. Like you have to come in confident well, about yourself and also what the the role you know what it requires out there. I, I know it can be done. And, mm-hmm. and and I also think that people value themselves not based on their work, but based on where they're at in life. Right. At that particular you time, you have to move away from what your worth is and what. No, you're you're invaluable, right? There's no right individual, right? You have to think about the work that I'm doing today. What is someone mm-hmm. willing to pay for that? Like I say to people, and we'll get to that when we talk about promotions. Where I get people saying, mm-hmm. "I think I deserve this much money," and I would say, "Why?" Well, because right. I do a job, I do a lot of. The, okay, but why? Right, not making a business, mm-hmm. business, but when you think about McDonald's, and I use that example often, if not always. If you in two thousand. Mm-hmm were in working at McDonald's and you were flipping burgers at McDonald's, you're not making a hundred grand today doing that. That's not what's happening. Right. right? That it doesn't change that. McDonald's has said right. do this actual work, here's how much we're willing to pay to do this work. And that's what you have mm-hmm. to get clear about. What is the value of what I'm adding to this company? What does that look right. like? This role that I'm performing, how valuable is that? And how how I do right. better better raises coming. How I do better is what I'm asking for the top end of the range. How I right. better as a company, I, they don't know you. They don't know that you do it that much better. They can see that in your years of experience, right? So, so forget right. that knowing your worth. You're worth a lot. Understand the value mm-hmm. add of this particular role and what you're bringing to the company. Get get a little bit clearer about right. that. Not sure? Ask for help. Reach out. Reach out to people. This Google is there for everybody there's so much information but i feel it's true but i also feel that even if you do all those things and yeah. me seeing 
things, and this is for more, and this is more so coming from the nonprofit side of me, like me, me being in those rooms with people, even if they do the, the research and, and they see that this job is worth this, they still come at this because of what they internally feel about their situation in their life and how desperate they are to find just an opportunity. And so sometimes we have to reprogram, you know what I'm saying, just kind of what we feel, like you said, about ourselves yes. and being invaluable, right? But it's just, it takes a lot more than just, than just kind of just going and, and looking and seeing how much yes. this job is particular and how good of a job you can do. Sometimes it is reprogramming the way you think about life in general. I mean, because yeah, that's, that's how you view yourself. Mm -hmm. Right, because if, if yeah. you're confident and clear about what you bring to the table, you wouldn't be low-balling yourself to a point. So you have to ask yourself some really hard questions, and that's a different kind of work um, to be done. Yep. But um, great point there as far as you have to get clear about yourself and what your, your value added and what you're willing to give. And having that confidence mm -hmm. in yourself and being clear about that is really going to be essential to what drives that. But go in and ask for what you deserve, because you deserve mm -hmm. period. Yep. And mm -hmm. people my females, right? There's no misnomer that females are paid less than males. Um, and I remember mm -hmm. just one day just having a real moment about that where I was absolutely determined that was not going to be me. I'm going to ask the question. And, and you know, it, it wasn't you. It wasn't. <laughs> I'm not just going to accept what's being offered, but I'm going to push it. I'm going to ask the question because I would have it where I'm in interviews. Oh, it, it's not, research does show that a woman would mm -hmm. see a role and of the 10 things on that role, probably be great at nine and not apply for it mm -hmm. because of those extra, that extra one thing. Whereas a man right. really know that he had experience in two things and was still applying mm -hmm. for the role. And that really goes back to our confidence in stepping out and knowing even if I haven't mm -hmm. done this before, I may have skills enough where I can sit here and gravitate and do this well. So a lot of this right. has to do with confidence building. A lot of this has to do with, you know, performance coaching and really mm -hmm. getting people to really see themselves for the best of right. anything else. Right. And that's where the nonprofit side of me always went in when teaching these types of courses on job readiness training. And the job part was to was to the latter, like was way down in, well, in, in the curriculum. I had to do a lot of reprogramming, coaching, you know what I'm saying? And just working on them as a person and building that confidence within them. Um, and then you'll see a lot of the different results because I can teach you how to pass an interview. That part but is cake. Shows up. And, that shows and, up in the interview, right? Yeah. Or you see that yeah. come into you and then meeting you as a candidate that when you come in and you don't have the confidence for a recruiting firm, I need to be able to sell you to someone else. So you got to sell yourself. You got to give me something to work with to walk in there. I need to be confident right. that when I send you to meet a client that you show up well enough and you represent the firm because that's our brand at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, so there is definitely a big part of ensuring that persons are equipped, that they go in confident, that mm -hmm. they can get this role, that they're qualified. Let me say, mm -hmm. the mere fact that you got that call, that interview, yep. you are qualified. Right. Period. Mm -hmm. Right? So when, when you're walking so, there, one, get there early. Don't get to any mm -hmm. interview late ever. Um, people I got to, hold on, wait, wait. <laughs> this is getting good. <laughs> but it's about to cut off, and, and we're about to go into part two in a couple minutes. Okay. So... Everybody, go go back and get a refill, and uh, we'll be back in a couple minutes for for uh, part two. Yeah, I'll see you soon. Yeah.